You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Seattle 911 response times climbed in the summer of 2020. Shocking. Can you imagine that? Now, why would they have a tough time getting to all the 911 calls? Huh. I, I don't know. We're, we're, you're just going to have to stay tuned. We're going to figure this out, right? Now, police and activists debate what comes next. Let's do a little reimagining and some rethinking. We need to get to the bottom of this. What's going on? You guys know that I've been here a long time. I'm joking. We all know that this is an ongoing issue. You could see it coming when you defund the police and there are fewer cops on the ground. Guess what? 911 response that's going to be impacted. Doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure that out, or even a rocket scientist, or even a real estate guy who reads the news. Speaking of which, if you're new here, my name is Sean Reynolds. I own Summit Properties Northwest, residential real estate sales company, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal, one of the oldest residential appraisal companies in Western Washington. But more importantly, I'm your host of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast, and I read the news that you want to hear. Enough chit chat, let's get going. And I'm going to read something from somebody that has been in law enforcement for a very long time that may or may not be part of law enforcement anymore. For all you cops out there, police, send me your stories. Tell me what you're thinking. I'm getting more and more stories from police officers, and I love them because they're just so straightforward. Here's what happened. It's, It's great. It's just sequentially, all right, here's the deal. (laughs) And and so I take that information and I am working through right now a lot of what the rapid response teams do and the mobile field force teams do and how they interact. And we're going to read a little bit about that. Um, But let's get going here. This is an ongoing story. And for reasonable people, I think from the get go, when they've heard defund the police, you're like, uh, what? Uh, hey, hey, if you want to do that over there, maybe not in my neighborhood, maybe not in my hood, not in my bad hood, but if you want to do that over and we'll just kind of see how that goes, yeah, I'm okay with that. It's not going well. That's the bottom line, right? One afternoon last August, Jean Tiscarino returned to her Capitol Hill home where Chop was, right? To find the front door open and the house ransacked. She called 911 and waited on a nearby sidewalk for Seattle police to arrive. One hour passed, then two. With no sign of an officer, when Tiscarino phoned again, a dispatcher told her the call wasn't a priority. After three and a half hours, a detective working overtime finally showed up. He was great, said Tiscarino, 58, a marketing consultant. I just wish they had showed up sooner. It really hurt my faith in this city's public safety capabilities. It makes me feel Seattle doesn't have its act together. We've talked a lot about the fact that streets of Seattle, you don't have enough cops on the ground to keep it safe. Now, Interim Chief Adrian Diaz has said, hey, Seattle's safe. But I mean, he's got to say that because if he says, if he comes right out and says, holy crap, this is not safe for you guys. That's not a good look either, right? I mean, from a political standpoint, that is a no-go. CEO's got to go down with his ship one way or the other, have his head held high, kind of like Mayor Ted is doing. Um, you know, when, when you're in the midst of a crisis, you got to be that guy that kind of stands tall and yeah, we're taking some hits, but we're going to get through this. And I think that's, you know, that's what Adrian Diaz is, is uh, trying to communicate. But before we move on, Here's something that I had emailed to me that I thought was pretty good. 
being um, being explained kind of the circumstances here. So this is part of the reason why response times to calls for service have increased drastically. We're going to go through that. And if you're a police person out there and wants to send me info, Sean at summit, no, Sean, S-E-A-N at seattlerealestatepodcast.com. I got a bunch of email addresses, so I got to try and remember them. And you know, you always have a senior moment right before, ah, that's my email address. Gosh, don't remember. Sean at seattlerealestatepodcast.com. That'll get to me. So here's why calls for service have increased drastically. This is from a boots on the ground for many, many, many years, police officer who remains anonymous and always will. As an example, say you have minimum staffing of 18 offers on an after officers on an afternoon shift. You got 18 guys in the office, call it in the East Precinct, they're doing their thing, right? Then a protest happens, whether expected or unexpected. And a, a mobile field uh, force unit has to be set up to deal with the crowd management event. You got to get a bunch of guys together. That's that group of guys and gals coming together to deal with the chuckleheads. All right, it takes 11 officers and a sergeant to field a mobile field force that leaves seven officers to respond to priority calls. So you, you had 18, take out 11, you're left with seven. For an entire precinct that normally has 18 officers to respond to calls, you've got seven. Also, remember that some of the rapid response team members come from patrol. So if rapid response team was activated, some of them might have come from your shift, leaving even fewer officers, right? Last year, it wasn't unusual to operate below minimum staffing because of shortage of officers and no one wants to work overtime can't really blame them, right? So priority calls are dispatched out, but supervisors have to make a decision that the patrol cops are just going to respond to priority ones through maybe priority three calls, or maybe just ones and twos. Guess where property crimes fits? Not in one, two, or three. The other calls priority uh, through priority seven, so call it priority three through seven, the cold calls, even the cold person crime calls, the property crime calls. That's what we're talking about here, right? It's property crime calls just have to hold. And that's why it takes three hours to get there. That's what an understaffed agency has to deal with. They have to make decisions regarding what to respond to when protests and riots have to be dealt with. There are more stories like Tiscarino's last summer with hard data to back them up. Response times spiked amid the pandemic and the summer's demonstrations for racial justice, reaching a 41-minute monthly average for all calls and an 11-minute monthly average for the highest priority calls in June. That was four minutes longer than the department's seven-minute goal for such calls. Here's the, here's the reality. You don't have enough cops on the streets to keep the city safe, to respond to this stuff. You just don't. Less clear is how the increase in summer 2020 response times should be interpreted as police officers battle their critics over funding. And they are quitting in record numbers. And I can't tell you how many emails I've had. Hey, I've been a veteran police officer in a small town in wherever. Um, I just got out and I couldn't be happier. I am now a uh, security supervisor for a port. That's one of them. There's a bunch of other places cops fit in and get paid more than what they're doing. And they don't risk their life on a daily basis. And they're not blamed for increasing 
911 response times. Hey, where were you? Well, I was over there. Yeah, we don't care. We just wanted you at our call. That's how this goes, right? The city council's uh, public safety committee is scheduled to consider a $5.4 million cut to the police, Seattle Police Department budget. Okay. So that is not a huge cut, but every single time you take a whack, it impacts the impacts the whole deal, right? And morale with police officers, all time low. I mean, it's a it's at an all time low. You, you can't say it's not when you have over a couple hundred officers leaving from the Seattle Police Department and Portland, same thing. I mean, you just got cops just leaving. Louisville, same thing. All these major metropolitan police departments are trying to recruit. And guess what? These cops are going in the private sector. You know, they're going to other places like South Dakota, where their governor is like, come on in, guys and gals, come on in. We'll take you. Law enforcement officials say last summer's spike should serve as a warning to those who want to defund the police and reinvest in community solutions. But nobody seems to listen. Ah, yeah, we're just going to go with the solution. It's going to be great. We're going to be fine. They say the department didn't have enough officers to handle protests, COVID-19 leaves, an unusually high number of murder investigation, and cuts to overtime budget while still getting to 911 calls quickly. You don't have enough cops. How hard is that to figure out? You don't have enough cops. I mean, that seems pretty reasonable to me. How many cops do you need? You need like 1,400 cops to cover a city of Seattle, and you've got a 1,000 something? Hmm. What's that mean to 911 calls? You're going to get to them faster? I know the answer. Oh, damn it. I had a 50-50 on that, and I lost. No, it's so clear. It's so obvious. And yet people are like, oh, let's send out the social worker to handle, you know, 98% of all these calls and we'll just figure out how that works out. Okay, let's you do a few and uh, we'll see how that goes. I'll be over here watching and good luck with that. Two thumbs up-ish. You do you. I'll do me over somewhere not in your vicinity. A historic number of officers left Seattle last year and many more are leaving this year, the officials say, declaring the situation a staffing crisis. We've always just got so many crises going on, right? I mean, there's always there's an opioid crisis, there's a homelessness crisis, there's a crime crisis, there's a police crisis. Jeez, are we going to get a break? I don't think so. Not anytime soon. The department's deployable force has dropped by about 200 officers in the past year. And I can't really blame them. I really can't. If you can make a lateral move to another department, another police department, or if you can go into the private sector, why would you stay a cop? I mean, that all that stuff about being a good person, serving your fellow human being, that's great and all. But if you're six feet under, you can't really help out anybody. And that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Nobody wants you to do your job. And they don't really want you around. I've been at the protest. They tell cops to go kill themselves daily, all the time. Hey, go kill yourself. Reasonable people don't say that kind of stuff. Only these nut jobs out there do. There's only so much a limited number of people can do, Chris Fisher, the department's executive director of strategic initiatives, said in an interview. By defunding advocates, uh, but defunding advocates attribute the bump in response times last year to the department's overly aggressive approach to the protests. Huh. How does that work? 
I can't really figure that one out. Mentioned that the officer departures were increasing before 2020 because this attitude is prevalent, right? Hey, we don't like cops. And say response times have stabilized in recent months. Okay, but you also haven't had the number of protests going on like they were last summer either, right? I mean, am I right? It's not that crime has gone down. Crime is still rising. It's still going up. That demonstrates the department can adjust to staffing reductions by letting lower priority calls wait, the advocates say. Who becomes the priority call? When it happens to you, you are number one on the top of that list, right? Happens to somebody else? Oh, yeah, that guy's dog got killed and his house got ransacked and his wife was threatened. Well, you know, it's not me. So, you know, we're just, we're just going to have to prioritize calls. The department had more officers assigned to 911 response duty last year than in 2019. Strikingly, response times grew in 2020, even as officers mostly stopped proactive policing. They kind of gave up because they had to. While the defunding movement has won some budget cuts and transfers, the police spent more on overtime in 2020 than in 2019 because they have less manpower and they are begging cops to come and hey, do overtime. And we just read nobody wants to do overtime, right? And the department secured city council approval for its 2021 staffing requests, the advocates note. Okay, but they're understaffed to begin with. So what are you saying? Ah, what we've got going on is pretty good right now. We're just going to keep it that way. Okay. Yeah. All right. The whole thing is just, it's ridiculous. If you're reasonable, this is ridiculous. They wonder whether some cops may be slacking off to prove a point. No. I mean, literally, what are they doing? Are you seeing cops like hanging out in front of the 7-Eleven drinking their Slurpee? No, they're running from one call to the next. Really? I mean, are they just off, you know, shopping quietly at Target while all these, you know, their radios going off and they're like, I'm just, I need to get some fishing gear for next weekend. So I'm going to spend the next three hours of my, my work day here at Target buying some fishing gear. They're just running around. They're undermanned. How hard is that to figure out? It seems like the department is using long-term trends and data blips to push back on the restructuring and defunding efforts happening right now, said Angelica Chazarazzo. Chazarazzo? Sorry. A University of Washington law uh, professor active with the advocacy group Decriminalize Seattle. In a typical month, the department registers about 30,000 calls, divided into four main categories. 911 calls, non-emergency calls, automated alarm calls, and officer-initiated calls. For example, when a police officer on patrol stops to check out something suspicious. Last June, three months into the pandemic, and as the protests exploded in Seattle and around the country, officer-initiated calls plunged to a 10-year low because they're, they're hopping from call to call to call. They don't have the ability to stop and proactively do their thing, right? Mostly for that reason, the department's overall call load dropped by almost half to about 16,000 by June, according to a Seattle Times analyst. At the same time, the department's monthly average response time for all remaining calls more than doubled. Fewer calls, twice the amount of time to respond. Figure that one out. Not that difficult. Climbing from about 20 minutes in May to 41 minutes in June. That's a long time. Response times from those serious 911 calls, known as Priority 1 and Priority 2 calls, increased 48% and 84% 
respectively, even though commanders repeatedly ordered the department to operate on priority call status. That means dispatchers send officers only to priority one, priority two, such as homicides, robberies, assaults, skipping all other calls such as break-ins. It's what we just read, right? So this is literally what's going on. The department's East Precinct recorded the most drastic dramatic jump, with average response times for all calls increasing from under 20 minutes to over 60 minutes between May and June. Priority call responses alone jumped from 7 minutes to 18 minutes in the East Precinct over the same period. The increase corresponded to a period of nightly protests on Capitol Hill and the department's abandonment of the East Precinct as demonstrators occupied a six-block area there for several weeks. Response times steadily became faster citywide during the remainder of 2020 as the protests wound down. Shocking, I know, right? You're like, what? Why, why would that be? The average response time for priority one calls is hovered around nine minutes most months, however, indicating a lingering challenge. You've still got fewer police officers on the ground. They're just dealing with less stuff right now, right? This year, average response times to priority call ones have been climbing since January, reaching 9.5 minutes in April. So not nearly as bad as last summer, but if you get some more protesting, some more peaceful protesting going on this summer, expect this to happen again. I mean, this is these, these are numbers. You don't have enough workers in the field to do their job. Guess what's going to happen? Your business is going to suffer. Seattle Police Department's business, their business is keeping citizens safe. The department's call volumes, meanwhile, have remained at their lowest levels in more than a decade. Priority one calls, which last year fell below 40,000, had not been below 45,000 annually since 2013. Why did response time soar last year, even as police handled fewer overall calls? Asked to explain, Fisher said he did not have evidence-based or clear answers, but I can offer hypotheses. Staffing stresses played a role, he said. The summertime protest drew scores of Seattle officers clad in riot gear to Capitol Hill and downtown, reducing the department's capacity elsewhere, Fisher said. Officers typically assigned to answer 911 calls from precincts located around the city were tapped for demonstration duties. Not that hard to figure out, folks. This is pretty basic. You can't have a cop in two places at one time, right? Can't be answer answering that priority three call or four call when he's dealing with the knuckleheads at CHOP. That's the way I see it. You might see it differently. Oh, we just, we need more inclusion. We need more, all kinds of other stuff. We need more social workers to respond to 911 calls. All right, you go with those. I want to see some more cops out there. That's just where I'm at. But then again, I'm a real estate guy. I kind of see things in black and white, want to keep neighborhoods safe. And I have said from the get-go, and I think a lot of people agree with me. The people that are going to be hurt the most from defunding the police, yep, those are your people of color. BIPOC, right? Those are the people that are going to be hurt the most because they're already in neighborhoods. They're already in areas that are hard hit with crime. And as you defund the police and there are fewer cops on the street to respond to all these other calls... You're going to have less coverage of the already ongoing crime that is rising. It is not getting smaller. It is going up. Some of that has to do with the pandemic. I think a lot of it has to do with people just feeling kind of hopeless. And this stuff's been going on for a long time. And now it's just kind of just getting worse. So I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. 
And um, I think the more people know about the reason why the 911 calls are not able to be responded to, people need to know that stuff. Because I think they're going to be a little if they know it's going to happen to them. Hey, if you have a, a crime happen at your house, and we've defunded the police, that response time and maybe getting some kind of resolution to your particular crises is going to be, you know, it's, it's not going to be what it used to be, it's going to be something way different. And it's going to impact you, you still want to defund those police? Is that the route you want to go down? Because I hear a lot of people saying, hell no, not in my neighborhood. I don't want that. You need some more training for police? That's great. That's going to cost money. Put some more money into the police department. Fund the training that you want to see. Otherwise, you need some more cops on the street. That is where I'm at. That's kind of the way I see it. I see it pretty black and white. Defunding the police? Terrible idea. Just just a terrible idea. I mean, just what are you thinking there? I don't know. But you know what's uh, guaranteed? There's going to be more of these stories, and I'm going to read them for you right here in the Seattle Real Estate Podcast, because that's what we're doing. All right. Thanks so much for being here. I'm going to go. I got one more podcast to, to record. I can't remember what it is, but I just remember it's a really good one. So stay tuned. We're doing some series on Portland right now too. Coin uh, Network out of Portland is uh, they've done some pretty good uh, in-depth videos and analysis, and uh, we're going to be we're taking a look at that this week as well. So tune in there again. Thanks for being here. I'll catch up with you guys soon. Until then, stay safe. I'll see you in just a few. Bye for now. to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.